And we're back with another installment of Banker with a Beer presented by Northwestern Bank. I'm Scott. Across the way is Jerry. We've got another great guest. We've got a tasty beverage as well that's going to be in front of us. Jerry, how's it going? It's doing great today, Scott. I'm uh, enjoying another beautiful fall afternoon. It is a beautiful time of the year when, we are, when we're recording this one. It's uh, just the start of the fall season. So if you're listening to this and there's already snow on the ground, you can close your eyes and remember what it was like in the, uh, the fall months. Uh, I know the beverage we have is one that, uh, you know, we talk about seasons, and it's, no, no, if you like a beverage, you can drink it any time. But in the summertime, you want more of the kind of the sweeter, the more crisper beverages. As the temperature turns, darker seems to be the way to go. Well, our guest today is a beer connoisseur, and the deeper, the darker, the richer, the better. And so this gives me a lot of, at, lot of latitude to go, go deep. And so first we'll begin by introducing our guest. We have Aaron White. He's the Economic Development Manager for the City of Eau Claire. He's joining us for a return visit. We're going to be talking about a lot of things um, in the city and projects that are going on and uh, where the planning is for things in the future. Uh, but before we get to bringing him on board, we have a beverage. And this beverage is from the Potosi Brewing Company in Potosi, Wisconsin, near Madison. And it's called Inner Sanctum. It's a brandy barrel-aged Belgian quad. So uh, in, in recognition of this, I brought out, you know, we can't do pint glasses for this. We have the small Belgian snifter glasses. Uh, so this should go really well. And I will pour the beverage, and you can bring Aaron on board. Well, Aaron, uh, I think the last time we chatted with you, it was, uh, I think it was pre-March uh, <laughs> 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so uh, what's been going on with you in the last uh, year and a half? Oh, it, we have run the gamut of everything, seems like. You know, 2020, from a development standpoint, economic development standpoint, was a lot of heads down, just kind of, you know, bulldozing their way through, waiting to see what happens when it comes to business. A lot of programming done to, you know, put out there to try and help our local businesses. Um, I, I've kind of used the... the the reference that if, if 2020 businesses were holding their breath, 2021 they've been blowing out the birthday candles. It has been extremely busy this year. Uh, we have a lot of businesses trying to make up for a year of not doing things they would have done or growth that they saw last year, particularly on the manufacturing side. So we're seeing all kinds of projects pop this time of year, and it's keeping us very busy. Well, the beverage has been poured, and again, a little goes a long way with this, so I'm looking forward to uh – the taste of this. Anyway. Oh my! Well, there's a sweetness That's to good. that that I like. That is really good. There's a, there's definitely a sweetness. Almost has a uh, kind of a mapley flavor to it. This uh, yeah, this is a uh, a Belgian quad. Um, this is, has that profile, and it's kind of a mixture of a. Belgian duple and a triple, and they came up with this thing called a quad. They developed this maybe 40, 50 years ago. And uh, we've had one of these, th that La Trap we had. Ah. That's a quad as well. So that same profile, but boy, this is this is tasty. That's a, that's a, this is not something to, to, to have if you're looking for a thirst quencher, but boy, oh boy, that's, that's, that's tasty. That thing, uh, just a couple of sips there, and that thing is smooth. That is going to uh, 
hit the palate very, very well. It's the old adage of uh, quality over quantity. All in moderation, Scott. If you will. All that, in moderation. That, 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 is, that is very, very good. A couple of sips, and that is very, very tasty. Very sweet. Uh, speaking of sweet, uh, Aaron, uh, we're seeing a lot of projects. We're going to dive into and give you lots of opportunities to talk about what's going on, but uh, there's been a lot of uh, a sweetness, if you will, in terms of uh, a lot of dirt being moved and people seeing things happen. So give us sort of an overall blanket state of where things uh, are going as far as the local economy. Well, we're seeing a number of, of expansion projects going on. You know, the, some of the obvious ones, particularly the downtown area, the, the new uh, multifamily housing developments that are occurring, you know, in Dante's broken ground and the old railroad lot behind Galloway Grill, that's moving forward. Uh, we've seen some dirt break in the cannery district uh, with both uh, some fill being done in, a, in an upper project that will be townhomes for sale or that type of housing for sale. Uh, second phase of the current is getting ready to kick off. Uh, we're seeing renovations occurring like the U.S. Bank building. Um, just a lot of things are happening. Um, quite a bit on the housing, the multifamily housing side. We're seeing a lot of interest in the industrial and warehousing side as well. Um, that one's a little different though. We're seeing more inquiries for existing buildings. We're getting calls regularly for 30, 40, 50, 60,000 square foot buildings. Um, businesses that have outgrown what they're doing, need room for you know, war, more warehousing, uh, expansion of industrial or manufacturing. Um, those are probably the challenging ones to work with. Uh, there's just not a plethora of empty 60,000 square foot buildings sitting around, not just in Eau Claire, but anywhere. Um, they just don't sit that long. Uh, so working with those businesses, oftentimes getting them to think in terms of more new site development as opposed to finding the old warehouse that's that can be picked up cheap um, is probably the biggest conversation we have with a lot of those folks. Well, Aaron, let's start downtown and work out. I mean, I, I probably in all my years here in the Chippewa Valley have never seen more projects going on simultaneously than do right now. And I mean, we, you, you touched on a number of them. You didn't even talk about the transportation building, the, the, the library renovation going on right now. The Children's Museum is going to start here. They're having the groundbreaking in a, in a week or so. Uh, there's an apartment po a complex right next to Wilson Park that's going up right now. There, and this is, that's just all downtown. And I'm probably missing a couple of things. Um, you know, and then you want to, I mean, a little, the, the Tag Center is going to be starting here in the next year or two. And then we move out from downtown, and then there's this uh, this project, and I forget what it's called, but it's right along Galloway Street as it goes up the hill uh, just across the river here from uh, uh, Cowboy Jacks. You know, that's the moving during on that project. Jeffers Road, there's some project going on. In the far west side of town, across from uh, Menards, there's a whole housing development being d done there. Hy-Vee's about to open. I mean, I... I I, and I'm sure I'm, I know I'm missing things, but I mean, this is, this is, how do you keep on top of all this stuff? It's a challenge. Um, a lot of the projects we've been a part of, um, some of them we haven't. We just learn about them as they come in for their permits for the planning process. But, um, you know, a lot of it's just keeping in touch with the developers and the contractors that are working these projects and, and finding out what they need from the community, what they're looking for. Um, as far as what's driving it, you know, some of these projects have been under-designed for two, three, four years in the case of Sonnentag, it's even longer. Um, they've been in the planning stages and they're finally to the point where they're ready to move forward. 
On the housing side, there's just a strong demand for housing across the market and across the country. Um, so we're seeing a lot of developers starting to discover what's going on in Eau Claire as a fast-growing community that has a, a housing market that is in need at a variety of price points. Um, so a lot of these uh, developers, not just local, but out of state, out of region, are coming in to find out what's going on in Eau Claire and want to be a part of it. So we're seeing a lot of interest in that as well. Aaron, from a city planner standpoint, where are the people I mean, is it is it new people? Is it are they existing homes of, you know, um, I, for negative things, but husband and wife splitting apart, he's having a new household. I mean, the number of households, housing units that have grown in the last 10 years is amazing. And, that's, that, and that doesn't even bring in Altoona and Chippewa and Halley and, you know, everything else on, on the edges around there. Why such a huge demand for housing? I think a number of factors come into play. For one, you have a lot of folks that are looking to step up in housing. They have, have grown in their career, grown in their career path, and are ready for that next level of housing. They're, getting ready to, you know, they're ready to leave their entry home, their entry-level home, or ready to step into something that's, that's the next level up. Um, a lot of it's driven by our employers. Our employers are reaching further and further out to find workforce to fill in their needs. Um, this is a very tight labor market if you look at the unemployment numbers, so they start recruiting further out. Um, you're seeing some exodus from the metro areas with the unrest that occurred in 2020. Um, you're seeing folks that are wanting to leave the, the Twin Cities areas, uh, the Milwaukee's, et cetera, and move into smaller communities where they just feel a little safer. The, the comfort of working from home now also allows people to, to leave the town of the, the business they're working for and maybe come back home, come back to an area that's closer to where their family is, their grandparents are, and they can work remotely and stay with the same employer. So you're seeing more people take advantage of that as well. And I think it's just, you know, the, the buzz is catching on about Eau Claire being a great community that's, that's um, cost affordable when compared to, say, the Twin Cities or those types of areas, but close enough that you can, you can drive the hour, you know, the hour and a half to catch a game or go shopping in the metro area for what you can't find locally and, and really enjoy kind of a smaller community, you know, that is big enough that it has all of the amenities and things that folks expect when, when uh, looking for a community to settle into. Now, when you were visiting us the first time, you had recently relocated from Kansas, if I remember right. Yes. And so now that you've been here for a while, um, what's your perspective of the community? H how has it surprised you? Um, give me your perspective now from someone who kind of had the outsider's view, and now you're more of an insider. This community has a much smaller town feel than its population would, would lead you to believe. It feels like a tighter community, um, more neighborly, folks more um, commutative, you know, gatherings, the things that are going on in the downtown area. You see that more in, you always expect to see that more in smaller communities, I think, is, uh, is part of it. So this, this is a large enough town that has all the types of amenities you expect, right? Healthcare, school systems, the university is here, lots of retail, lots of employers, but it feels like a smaller town than a town of nearly 70,000. And I think that's a great selling point. Well, that's one thing people have always said, this is more of a large town than it is a, a small city. Absolutely, I would agree. And uh, it, it has an attraction to folks. The music scene that's here, the art scene that's here, the, the diversity of employment that is starting to show up here with growths in, in technology fields. We have growth in the industrial and manufacturing sectors. 
Um, there's just a lot of opportunity for different types of employment, uh, different types of employers, and I think folks are discovering that. There's also a lot more marketing going on now than there had been. Um, between the Think Eau Claire video that the Chamber's pushing out, the, there are a number of other entities that are doing similar type of promotional videos that are getting the word out about Eau Claire in a farther and farther away in a targeted manner. Um, that's getting people to think about coming back. Um, well, so well, well, hold on. In, uh, in addition to, to housing, because that's assumed, what are some of the other things that maybe are more of a focal point as to what we need? Um, probably one of the biggest thing is really for a lot of our employers is, is just more people. Really, growth is such a huge piece, and being able to recruit in is such a huge piece. We hear from a number of, of employers that have held off on expansions because the the labor market is tight enough that you know they're not ready to take on extra work or can't don't feel like they can do the expansion. Um, so we, we need to continue to see that type of growth to support the industry that's here. Um, you know, there's always a certain percent of turnover in industry. So um, you want to make sure you have enough of a depth of population and workforce that you can service that. Uh, you know, we are a community of just under 70,000, but Chippewa Valley is a, is a region of just over 210,000. And one thing we're doing is making sure that employers know that we're not just the population of Eau Claire or the population of Eau Claire County, this is a, a valley, this is the Chippewa Valley that has a lot more capacity to support employment than, than what our just our community numbers would say. Aaron, one thing I've noticed in the last, say, 10 or 15 years has been this huge expansion in apartments, multifamily housing has, you know, grown and grown and grown, and um, it's hardly uh, six months passed without another project being announced. But is the era of the single-family home drawing to a close, um, or is it going to be pushed further away from the city center? Uh, I know a few months back there was the discussion regarding the property that was in um, town of Washington. Uh, that apparently is being rezoned to you know, make it less dense. As a planner, I guess, how do you see this transition from Eau Claire, which has been historically a community of primarily single-family homes, to now one that's becoming much more focused on multifamily? I think a lot of that depends or uh, comes from how the, the dynamics of the community are changing. You have folks who are retiring who no longer want a large property with a large yard and a large house to maintain. So you're seeing that segment that is looking for opportunities to move into condos or apartments that are low maintenance so they can spend their time enjoying their free time doing something other than lawn care. You're seeing some of that with the younger generation of folks who are coming in, young families who don't necessarily want a big property to to take care of. They want to be able to go and do things on the weekends. So a large house with a large yard, which was what, you know, the 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 baby boomer generation or gen the Gen X kind of got used to is not necessarily what they're looking for today. Um, a lot of the, the, the younger generation who are buying, at least for starters, want to have something that allows them to go out and experience travel and experience doing other things than taking care of a, a property. So the dynamics of what they're looking for is changing. Um, and the market is slowly, I think, adjusting to reflect that as well. Um, I always think of a, a community in Missouri. Um, this is a prime example. I saw this example in a um, housing conference that I attended in Kansas City. And the community knew that there was a demand for smaller footprint houses. 
the the generation that were buying didn't want that 2,000 square foot big home or 1,800 square foot large home. They wanted something smaller that was easy to maintain. The local markets, the local builders, the local realtors said, oh, no, no, that's nobody buys those. You, you can't do that. You, nobody will buy them, and it's a, it's a dead market. Um, the city believed in it enough that they, they created a, a local program and threw down a challenge. If a builder would build a small home, and I, I don't remember the exact size, but it's probably in the 1,300 square foot range on a small lot, if they would build a home of that type and within a specific price point and the home did not sell within a certain amount of time, the city was going to buy that property from the builder and take on the risk. They found a developer who said, fine, I'll take a chance and I'll build something that everybody else says there's no market for. And the last I heard, that community has built almost 40 homes under that program. They've not bought a house back yet. It's a changing taste and sometimes the industry that serves those folks are slower to pick up on changes and trends of buyers. Jerry, before you uh, ask the follow-up question, reminder to everybody what we are drinking today. It is uh, very sweet and very tasty. We are enjoying Inner Sanctum. It's a barrel-aged Belgian quad, brandy barrel-aged Belgian quad from the Potosi Brewing Company in Potosi, Wisconsin. Again, very, very tasty. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm letting that thing kind of just stay on the tongue and uh, enjoy the flavor of this. This is tasty. We're enjoying this one today. This, again, this isn't uh, the rolling rock that you go and grab uh, a 12-pack of that. Uh, this is high-quality stuff we're having here uh, today and a high-quality guest uh, as well. And, Jerry, I know you were about to ask a, a follow-up to that last. Uh, well, and I know some when it comes to development, being areas, I mean, some things you need to be, your timing needs to be correct. And there, I know there's a place in Chippewa Falls called Wasota Green, and that it's kind of by St. Joe's Hospital. And if you know where Seymour Cray Boulevard is, um, you hit the lights on the other side of the, the bridge, the, the north side of the bridge, you go to the right, that was Wasota Green. A and maybe 15 years ago, they developed a series of properties that were relatively modest in size uh lots were very close together maybe like 10 feet between homes and but they don't have shared access to to the lake and it, these had done very well other places well they built a few starter homes and it went nowhere and to the point where they kind of gave up in the project and they ended up replatting it so the lots were bigger well now those things are going like you know what are out there like gangbusters and they've redeveloped the whole section now the latter stages into multifamily, which would be eight and 12 and 16 plexes all basically all the way up seymour cray boulevard on the right so here had th i think they, it was the the right project at the wrong time had they waited five more years uh it would have done exactly as they planned as it was our you know this area tends to lag a little bit behind the trends of other parts of the country and you know, the developer, you know, paid the price for that. No, absolutely. You see that regularly. Um, it's A lot of it's just about it, kind of analyzing what the community is looking for. Um, one of the things we're also seeing it, it, as a general trend is you're seeing family sizes get smaller uh, than they were, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And I think that's also a reflection of housing. Um, a lot of folks are also, I, I think you see folks who are coming in are more inclined to um, lease for a time until they figure out where in the community they want to live um, in their forever home or you know where they want to set down more roots. Um, and I think in some cases too, the if you look compared to past generations, this this workforce is a little more mobile. They're willing to 
move around and kind of follow a, a job or, or an interesting place to live. And, you know, if somebody wants to remain mobile at that type of lifestyle, it's easier to do it if you're renting as opposed to having to sell and turn a house every time you're looking to move to another location. What are some misconceptions about the local economy? Um, I think probably one of the biggest ones is that we're not diverse. Um, we have a surprising number of different employers and industry bases in the community. You know, we still have a strong manufacturing cluster. There's no doubt about that. We have a strong health sector in the community, um, and it's staying very strong. Um, retail has been a primary employer in years past, but I think there's opportunity to see that change. Um, one of the things that we really stress with the local employers is the ability to look for folks who don't perfectly meet the job description your HR department's getting ready to post out. There's a lot of opportunity to, to find folks who are ready to upscale their position, to come from a very entry-level market position, particularly from the retail side and the service side, which is historically lower paying, and move into a career track. Um, but they, they don't necessarily, these are not folks who necessarily can go back to school and take a nine-month or a two-year course. Um, so working with employers who are willing to train folks who just who have a good work ethic and no background skills, I think they'll be surprised how big of a of a pocket of employ of potential employees they can find. It's surprising compared to our unemployment numbers of the folks that you find here. I would think as a city planner, this has got to be like fish in the barrel. I mean, we, we talk about some communities that are really struggling to get people to come in or getting businesses to come in. I mean, you're just saying, you know, you, you, you. Well, maybe not you. I mean, it, it, it's um, your days have got to be busy just trying to deal with the, tr the 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 projects that our folks are bringing to you as opposed to you having to go out and and basically make a pitch and try to lure them into the community very much so uh, we work almost exclusively at this point in time with businesses that have reached out to us specifically um, asking for assistance to find a site asking assistance um, to maybe find gap financing, you know, whatever the case is. Um, that's a lot of the projects that we're doing. Uh, we work closely with our other partners in the community, other resource partners. Um, on the small business side, it's the Small Business Development Center. Uh, it is um, CoLab, um, working with those types of folks who work with small businesses and startups. On the, the macro level, it's the Chamber of Commerce. It's um, the EDC, uh, just making sure that we all know what's going on and we collectively are supporting each other to make sure that we're landing the projects that, we're, that we want to land and supporting the businesses that are already here. Um, big thing we try to make sure we don't do is forget the businesses that are here looking to grow. Um, the new business, the new shiny new toy that's you know half a million square feet and 500 new jobs, everybody loves to hear about those home run recruitment projects, but Studies have shown year after year it's, it's the local businesses expanding that fuel job growth in a community. So one thing we want to make sure that we're doing is also paying attention to our existing employers and, and making sure they have the resources they need to succeed. So the, t the community continues to grow, and I know housing is a huge part of it, but there's also this area of you know, industrial growth and I know an area that we're talking about right now, and I, I don't think I'm sharing secrets because the, the, this isn't the bank, it's what I'm hearing in the community, is that Amazon is looking to build a distribution plant along County T, and that's part of the, the reason for the, the expansion of that, that project. But do you see, where do you see the Eau Claire footprint in the Chippewa Valley growing over time? And do you see a pushback from the surrounding townships at some point saying, wait a minute, I mean, we, we don't want to have our 
rural lifestyle be changed by seeing, I won't say smokestacks anymore, but certainly business parks or more traffic or more density? Um, that's a very good question. It's probably a challenging one to answer. Um, well, we have to look at a number of factors when you're talking about, you know, where do you grow industrial versus where do you grow residential versus commercial? Um, one of the things we look at is access to the interstate or four lane. When you're talking about industrial recruitment or warehousing and on logistics, access to that four lane highway is paramount. And, and you'll see projects that are looking for space that will have to be within a mile of an interstate before they even consider a community or a site. So those access points become uh, a key. And it's not even just, I'm a mile away from the interstate, but am I a mile away from an interchange that lets them access the interstate with their semis and their, for inbound and outbound trucking. We also have to look at where utilities are and what's the cost to extend utilities in certain areas. There's always a, you know, certain areas cost more. Certain areas to develop in this region are gonna be more expensive. So you have to lay, um, location against cost to develop that location and find out where's a smart place to go. We try and work closely with the local communities, with the surrounding townships. Um, we're all in this together and we support them as much as they support us. Um, we rely on a lot of those small towns in the surrounding areas to be some of our workforce. Um, as I said earlier, Chippewa Valley is 210,000 in population and that paints a much bigger story and a better story than just saying we are a community of uh, 68 or 70,000. So making sure that the local communities um, survive and thrive as well. They provide a lot of labor to our businesses. Um, we work closely to try and make sure that we can work with them as best we can uh, and try and s make sure that we're growing where it makes sense. Um, obviously some of the, the four lane corridors or potential four lane corridors are, are gonna be um, always going to be a, an attraction to that close to the interstate close to business 53 or highway 53 places we can get in and out um, those are always going to be some primary areas we'll look at for industrial expansion on the residential side you know a lot of the time it's more about um, infill development we'd rather see coming back in the community and empty lots and and old dilapidated houses that have run their course we'd rather see them come in and be redeveloped than to go out to an open field, extend utilities and streets that cost, you know, a, a, a street extension with water and sewers, ballpark is $450 a foot to extend a street to a new development. That's not counting water or, uh, you know, power and electric and gas. So it's cheaper to backfill an existing property and redevelop an existing site that's kind of run its course than to go out to a brand new field and drag everything to it and then have to service it for the next 20 or 30 years extending all the utilities and services that go with that so from the residential standpoint you know we spend as much time looking at infill opportunities as we do where's the next pasture that we're going to buy and develop starting to run out of time here before i think the question i'll have to, to ride things down on my end here is this we got some beer in you can you can you give us a little bit of a hint as to something that may be coming down the pike there? Um, I'm trying to think of what we can, what we can chat about <laughs> that's not confidential. That's always the challenge of economic development. I know all, all kinds of really cool projects, and most of them I can't talk about. <laughs> um, I, will, I will say this. Uh, with the sites that are left in the Cannery District, which has been our newest RDE development project, um, we have roughly four lots that are four large primary development areas that are left. Um, based on conversations I've had in the last month, 
we potentially have every space left in Canada District sold. We have somebody who's looking at every single space left um, with a variety of different projects. So we're seeing some really exciting things in terms of that. Uh, also, we'll leave this at the, um, the park in the Canada District. So the Kessler Park is going to be relocated from the west side of First Avenue over to, or for, I guess First Street over to um, the east side and a part of that development. That design is kicking off now um, and will potentially be seeing construction occur next summer. So that's going to be a new park, a much larger development than what it is currently, and that will be a new exciting thing to, to start soliciting community input, neighborhood input from. But uh, now the Cannery District's got a lot of things that going for it. There's some real possibilities there, some surprising possibilities potentially showing up in there. Aaron, I've got my final question. It's going to be dealing with, um, you've been operating, the city's been operating now for a while without a city manager. I mean, uh, Dale was retired. Uh, was He hung on for a while during COVID. He's now formally left. There's a process going away. How difficult is it for the city to manage in his absence and for you to do your job without having a manager to uh, basically give direction and, and guidance? Um. The staff they're doing it, so Dave Solberg, our interim city manager, normally our city um, engineer, is doing a fantastic job uh, as the interim city manager. Probably the biggest thing you'll see right now versus, say, having a, a, the position permanently filled is they're trying not to make decisions that have long-term ramifications. They, they, they are making sure that the day-to-day -day and the short-term things are handled, but um, probably the biggest challenge is, is not making policy changes that will affect the community you know four and five years down the road that's up for the next full-time you know permanent city manager to do but the staff is doing a great job of accommodating what's going on um, senior staff department heads division heads uh, are just doing a great job coming together making sure that we're getting things done for the community that need to be done and we're still seeing progress going forward it's been a slow process it's that same type of thing has been happening in a number of communities um, there's demand for that type of skill set when looking for a city manager. There's just not a ton of them floating around, you know, looking for jobs. So they can pick and choose where they go, and um, they go quick. So the community's looking to kind of adapt their method of recruitment a little bit to be a little more flexible, and uh, we'll definitely land the right person for the job. It's just a matter of time. Well, an educational, uh, educational in a good way. I'll last the uh, 30 minutes, and I think the uh, overarching theme uh, – Jerry, I take out of that is there's stuff going on. <laughs> uh, stuff is an understatement. No, it's been it's 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 breathtaking to see how the Chippewa Valley is growing and um, evolving. I guess uh, almost before our eyes. And I mean, when you, when you have folks who have gone to school here, maybe have been gone for a decade or more, and come back, it's almost like you're reintroducing them to the to the whole town again. And uh, it's exciting, it's exciting to be, be part of all this. And, um, and I really appreciate you, Aaron, for uh, helping and helping to direct that process. And it's going to be fun to see what's uh, coming up here in the coming uh, months and years. I agree completely. I appreciate coming here. I'm happy to come in any time. I always like to be able to talk about what's going on in the community and, and see what's happening. And uh, just looking forward to the challenges that are coming up. It's going to be an exciting time in the next few years. Jerry, once again, the beverage we had. We had Inner Sanctum. It's a brandy barrel-aged Belgian quad from Potassi Brewing. It was a special beverage. It's an outstanding conversational beverage. We had just one big bottle here. We split, the, split it three ways. Outstanding. Uh, Jerry, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, Scott.